Hello and welcome to Full Armor Radio. Uh, this is John O'Rourke with Full Armor Ministries. Um, I'm a missionary evangelist here in East Tennessee, primarily uh, bringing the gospel to the lost and uh, fighting abortion with the gospel and the word of God at the lo- local civil magistrate level, as well as at our local abortion mill nearby. And today I wanted to talk about um, an issue of evangelism uh, that's currently in the news uh, with uh, Pope Francis of the Roman Catholic religion. Um, over this past weekend, uh, the Pope has come under a little bit of scrutiny because of some of the comments that he made um, about proselytizing. And additionally, um, in the same weekend, he also warned against the church becoming too rigid and not adapting to the culture. So I wanted to address some of the things that Pope Francis has said recently, kind of respond to them biblically. But before I go through these news articles, I wanted to mention some things about Roman Catholicism in general. So, of course, Pope Francis is part of the Roman Catholic religion, of course. And um, one thing here is that from my perspective, from a biblical, um, biblically informed perspective, the Roman Catholic religion is not Christian. It's not the true religion. It's a false religion with a false gospel. The Roman Catholic religion rejects the gospel. It rejects justification by faith alone uh, very clearly in the Council of Trent and uh, its, its anathemas, its, its canons on justification. Um, it very clearly um, pronounces a condemnation upon anyone who believes in justification by faith alone, apart from works of the law. Those who believe, like myself, according to what the Bible says, that salvation is by what Jesus did, that he kept the law on behalf of the sinner, he took the penalty on behalf of the sinner, and that's it, that he um, accomplishes salvation by his life and his death, and that that salvation is received through the instrument of faith alone, the Roman Catholic religion rejects that emphatically and has for centuries. So um, when I speak of the Pope here, I'm not speaking of him as a Christian brother. I'm speaking um, of him as a leader of a false religion and as a false teacher. But some things that are important about what he says here is that some of the things he says I hear in, you know, quote-unquote, evangelical churches so-called Protestant churches that are um, not Catholic, I guess we should say. It's not so much Protestant, but just aren't Catholic, and they claim the name of Christ as well. The attitude that the Pope has on proselytization is quite similar to the attitude that many professing Christians have on proselytization. So I wanted to make that clear to start with. Um, Roman Catholicism is not Christianity. Roman Catholics need the gospel. They need to be evangelized. Um, there's a video I have up on the YouTube channel of me um, evangelizing a Roman Catholic who had never heard the gospel before. It's very important that we um, recognize Roman Catholics are not Christians because if we if we pretend like they are Christians, then we're not going to evangelize them. We're not going to think they need the gospel, but in reality, they really do. So we should love them enough to say that if they believe what Roman Catholic documents teach then they're not a Christian because Roman Catholic documents reject the gospel. So we should bring the gospel to Roman Catholics. So with that said, as an introduction, let's let's walk through 
a little bit of what uh, Pope Francis said over this past weekend um, about proselytization um, and as it relates to unbelievers. So there's an article here from uh, discern.com. The title of it says, Pope says Christians should never seek to convert unbelievers. Anyone who proselytizes is, quote, not a disciple of Jesus. So as the way it says, it says, in a dialogue with Catholic high school students in Rome this weekend, Pope Francis responded to a question about how to deal with atheists and people of other faiths by saying that Christians should never proselytize, and any who do are not truly Christians. The Pope's lengthy answer, which is reprinted in full at the bottom of this article, contained numerous notable remarks illustrating the Pope's views on evangelism, including, here are the quotes, so speaking of um, having Jewish and Muslim friends, the Pope said, quote, we are all the same, all children of God. He says he was brought up to uh, coexist. So is that true? Is everybody a child of God? Well, according to the Bible, that's not the case. Though only those who are children of God are those who are adopted by God. Nobody is a child of God by virtue of existing. They have to be saved by Jesus and adopted. For example, Ephesians 1, um, verse, uh, end of verse 4 and verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. And the Beloved, of course, is Jesus. So we are adopted only if we're saved. Similarly, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 6, and it says, And because you are sons, let's go to 5, to verse 4 and 5, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, not everybody is a son of God. It says, you are no longer a slave, but our son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And, you, and you, we receive adoption through what Jesus did, through salvation. He accomplishes us receiving adoption. Just a couple of examples. But the children of God are those who have been adopted. Not everybody is a child of God by virtue of existing. So Jews and Muslims are not children of God. Either are Roman Catholics, actually. Uh, they're not children of God either in this sense. Only true Christians are sons and daughters of God. Another quote, he said, It didn't occur to me, and it doesn't have to be like saying to a boy or girl, You're Jewish, you're Muslim, come, be converted. So you don't want to go up and, and say, Hey, you're not a Christian, you should come and become a Christian. You don't want to do that according to the Pope. He says another one. He says, we're not in the times of the Crusades. Yeah. Um, that has nothing to do with evangelism or proselytization or anything like that at all. Um, the Crusades versus proselytizing are, are such a category error. Those are not even close to being the same. Um, evangelizing and proselytizing does not use the sword at all. It doesn't use um, violence or, phys or physical threats or anything like that. It uses the word of God through reasoning and, and discussion and preaching, that sort of thing. So in front of, he said this, quote, in front of an unbeliever, the last thing I have to do is try to convince him. Never. Is that the attitude of the apostles? For example, in Acts 17, um, verse 16, it says, Now Paul was waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols, unbelievers, right? He goes on, so he, so he reasoned 
in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. All sorts of unbelievers, right? He reasons with them. He says, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. That's the content. He preached the gospel. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange thing to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing more except for hearing and telling something new. So Paul went out there to reason and to defend the faith and to try to convince people of the truth of Jesus and the resurrection. That was what he was preaching. So that's the first thing that the Apostle Paul will do, even though it may be the last thing that Pope Francis would do. He says, quote, but listen, never, never bring the gospel by proselytizing. You wonder how you could bring the gospel without telling you. Well, this brings us to kind of his his whole uh, problem here. I'll read a couple more quotes and I'll discuss it. He says, if someone says they are a disciple of Jesus and comes to you with proselytism, they are not a disciple of Jesus. So if someone says they're a Christian and comes to you trying to proselytize, he says that they're not a disciple of Jesus, they're not really a Christian. And finally, he says the church does not grow by proselytism. It does not grow by proselytism. So there's some some things here. I think there might be some things uh, lost in terms of what are our definitions of, of words. What is proselytism? Well, um, there was an article that was uh, put out by Catholics to try to defend the Pope here. Um, this is what they say he meant by proselytism. They say, this is from catholicnewsagency.com. It says, Pope Francis's strong language is directed at the modern meaning of proselytism. Okay, what's the modern meaning? They say, this meaning includes any type of pressure to convert someone, whether it's moral, political, or economic. It means caricaturing with unfair criticism of others. Proselytism in its present meaning includes inducing people by offering them any kind of uh, assistance, such as food, education, shelter, or clothing. In each of these cases, proselytism is wrong because it does not respect the freedom of the other. However, while these methods of making converts is sinful, inviting others to the fullness of truth is not only is not only not wrong, but it's an act of true love. He says, inviting others to the fullness of truth is something that no believer cannot simply cast aside. In the risen Lord's last appearance in Matthew's gospel, he mandated his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The church is born to evangelize. This is her task. This is the reason for her very existence. Evangelism is, in fact, her deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. Thus, inviting others to hear the good news and accept Jesus as Lord is a permanent and vital dimension in the church's life. By her very nature, the church is a missionary. The church is always open to others. She can never remain closed within herself. To all, she brings the good news that Jesus is Lord. Said most assuredly, Pope Francis is not against this. He's simply warning others that the necessary works, work of bringing the truth to others must always be done in love and with respect for the other person. I do want to comment on that 
that's not really what the Pope said. There's a lot of stuff being said here by this author of this uh, on this article. But the Pope didn't say you got to proselytize and love or proselytize with, uh, uh, with respect. He says you shouldn't do it at all. Uh, there's a big difference there. They say Pope Benedict XVI clearly taught this when he said the Pope does not engage in proselytism. Instead, she grows by attraction. Just as Christ draws all to himself by the power of his love, culminating in the sacrifice of the cross, so the church fulfills her mission to the extent that, in union with Christ, she accomplishes every one of her works in a spiritual and practical imitation of the love of her Lord. So, I'll stop there for a minute. So if, if the Pope is agreeing with the author of this author with this article, which is at this at present not entirely clear. Let's just say for the sake of argument that he does agree with this Catholic's defense of him. Um, there's still an issue here. If the if Pope Francis is saying what Pope Benedict said that the church does not engage in proselytism, instead she grows by attraction, um, that is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not be around and and look godly and interesting and people will come by and uh, come and be attracted to you. Um, the Great Commission is go, therefore, into all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Um, the growing by attraction thing is not what the Bible teaches, but for the church's mission in the Great Commission. Um, it's, it's concerning to me, though, that this type of attitude is prevalent throughout many non-Catholic uh, churches, many professing Christian churches and evangelical churches will say, yeah, you don't want to go around bringing the gospel to people or like preaching, like preaching at people. People don't like that. You just want to, you know, grow by attraction. They're going to come by and see something different about you and, and come and talk to you and ask you, tell me, what what is it that makes you so different from the whole world? What makes you so special? They're going to come and beg you. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, that's really doesn't happen very often. And secondly, that's not what we're told to do in Scripture. So keeping this in mind with the Pope's you know, comments on proselytism, I think it's important that we also keep in mind what he said during the same weekend about the church's influence. So this was from uh, Fox News. They published this article called Pope Francis Warns of Rigidity, saying church must adapt or it will become increasingly irrelevant. So here's what the article says. Says Pope Francis in a Saturday message delivered from the Vatican took aim at conservative Catholics, warning that rigidity in living out the Christian faith was turning people away and that the church must adapt to a post-Christian West. Francis calls for Vatican bureaucrats to embrace change during his annual Christmas greeting to the cardinals, bishops, and priests who worked in the Holy See. Catholicism's conservative wing has increasingly voiced opposition to Francis's progressive-minded papacy. Their criticisms have accelerated in the past year amid Vatican financial and sex abuse scandals. Francis acknowledged in his address that Christianity no longer holds the influence in society that it once did. Let me stop there. That's uh, true. That statement by itself is true, that Christianity does not hold the influence in society that it once did. Um, the reason for that is because um, people don't go out and preach the gospel. People don't go out and bring the word of God to bear on the culture. They don't go around rebuking civil magistrates like John the Baptist did. Um, they, they don't go around and they, they cover their light under a basket. 
Okay, Christians are the light of the world. Jesus makes us the light of the world, and yet a lot of Christian churches cover it up. That's the reason that we don't have as much influence in the culture as we should. But Francis goes on, he says, he cited, well, this is what the article says, he cited the late Cardinal Carlo Maria Martini, a leader of the progressive wing of the Catholic Church, who lamented before dying that the church found itself 200 years behind because of its fear of change. It's fear of change. Here's a quote from Francis. He says, Today, we are no longer the only ones that produce culture, no longer the first nor the most listened to, Francis told the prelates. That is true. Um, the church, sadly, has become a, uh, a group of followers instead of leaders. It's not going and bringing the word of God into the world. It's just following the culture, which Pope says, go ahead and do it. He goes on, quote, The faith in Europe and in much of the West is no longer an obvious presumption, but is often denied, derided, marginalized, and ridiculed. That is true as well. That's why we need apologists. We need good evangelists, good Christian men who are able to defend the faith and can do it consistently and to the glory of God. Um, I speak with people all the time who deny, deride, marginalize, and ridicule the Christian faith all the time, every week. But I'm able to give a sound defense through presuppositional apologetics and a clear and bold you know, gospel presentation. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. Article goes on, as a result, he urged the Catholic hierarchy to embrace the necessary pastoral reforms that, it will, that, will, that will make the church attractive so that it can spread the faith. There it is. What's their idea? Make the church attractive. Adapt to the culture. Get the culture to come in so we can spread the faith through that. That is such, such a lie and such a fallacy. What happens is, in a true Christian church, forget Catholicism, in a true Christian church, it says, let's change to the culture will like it. People in the culture and the world will come and come to us and, and give us um, accolades and, and uh, applaud us. What that does is it, it doesn't change the culture. It just makes the church like the culture. If the church, on the other hand, stands firm on the word of God and has God's law and the gospel as the foundation, we have this strong Christian worldview and we stand with an antithesis against the world, we stand there and say, no, you are wrong. The creator of heaven and earth has declared you are wrong. You know, here's the right way. And we do it with truth. We do it in love. That's how you change the world. You don't change the world by going with the flow. The Pope says we should go with the flow. He says we should embrace the necessary pastoral reforms that will make the church attractive so that it can spread the faith. Mm -mm. First of all, the Roman Catholic Church does not spread Christianity, but it Honestly, for the Roman Catholic Church, this will not spread Roman Catholicism. What it will do is compromise Roman Catholicism. Now, in true Christian churches, the same thing will happen. This is what we call seeker-sensitive churches, where they go and ask unbelievers, hey, what kind of, what would you like in a church? And then unbelievers, idolaters say, well, I'd like this, 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 and this. And the church compromises on scripture, changes, and adapts to the culture. That's not biblical, that's sinful, and it ultimately destroys and compromises the church. It doesn't change the world. It doesn't change the culture through the gospel when you do that. So if you want to see you know, justice happen, you want to see the end of abortion, you want to see the end of uh, sexual immorality on the public and public and things like that, then you're going to have to have the gospel out in the world. Through the gospel, people will be born again. Their hearts will be changed, given new desires. They'll be on the path of sanctification where they're putting sin to death and striving to, to obey God more and more. And 
through that, individuals are changed, families are changed, churches are strong and changed, and through that, the whole nation is changed. Imagine, if you had a family of five, and all of them are unbelievers, and it's chaos, always at each other's throats, and always fighting, and then all of them become Christians. Don't you think that their family life would change? It must change, and it will change. If they're truly saved, all of their hearts are changed. The children, their hearts will be turned to their fathers, and their fathers' hearts will be turned to their children, and, and they will. the children will desire to obey and honor their parents. The parents will love one another and love their children, and the desire to glorify God. Well, think about that on a big scale. If that happened in a city, if a whole city became Christian like it did when Jonah preached in Nineveh, and they all repented in dust and ashes. Or what about a whole nation? If if everybody's born again, or a vast majority is born again, you'd see a change in the culture. But see, what the Pope is saying to do is to just go along with the flow so that more people will say that they're Catholic. So here's the thing. From a real Christian perspective, I'm not interested in getting people to say that they are Christians. In fact, I'm rather sick of it when people say they're Christians when they're not. What I want to see is that God be glorified through evangelism, and I want to see the lost actually saved, actually converted, their hearts actually changed um, and, and you know, turned towards God. It goes on. Francis said this, quote, Here we have to beware of the temptation of assuming a rigid outlook, rigidity that is born from fear of change and ends up disseminating stakes and obstacles in the ground of the common good, turning it into a minefield of misunderstanding and hatred. So if you don't, if, you, if the church fears change, it ends up disseminating all sorts of obstacles for the for the common good of mankind and all that. Um, the thing is, the the uh, term fear of change for a true Christian church that's not true for myself or for solid Christian churches. We're not afraid of change. That's so, so such a broad brush that he's painting with. We don't have a fear of these of of the change. We say these things are wrong, and we're going to fight them. Okay, I want, I want, and that's that should be our positive and strong, you know, because Jesus is with us in the Great Commission. He says he's with us to the end of the age. We should go on forward fighting with the Word of God, not with uh, weapons, as the church does not have the right to to bring violence against people. Um, but Christians ought to be going forward and, uh, you know, bringing the gospel to the nation, making disciples of it. And then we'll see justice prevail over time. More and more people become become Christians. But the the fear of change as uh, like as a total straw man. I'm I'm not afraid of change in general. First of all, and then secondly, I think it's very important that we recognize that it's not. Oh, I'm I'm scared. I we should Christians shouldn't be scared and hiding in a hole. I'm afraid of the change. We should go in there and say there's evil going on. We're going to fight it with the gospel. We're going to bring the fight with the gospel. And that's kind of the. One of the big parts of my personal ministry at the abortion mill is to bring the gospel against the evil murder that goes on there. I'm not just going to say, oh, man, that's too bad. I'm going to actually do something about it with the word of God and be bold about it. That's what we should be doing. The article goes on. Traditionalist Catholics have denounced Francis's openness on issues such as sacraments for divorced and civilly remarried Catholics. They also sharply criticized his recent synod on the Amazon which calls for the ordination of married men as priests. And then it goes on, Francis has defended his stance as a reflection of the gospel and the, ax- the axiom that the true tradition of the church is one of a continuous discerned path of change. No, it is not. The, the path of the church 
is to stay faithful to the word of God amid all the winds of change that happen in the culture. Uh, I'll point out a couple passages here. Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> speaking of, uh, of Jesus, the ascended Jesus Christ, giving gifts to the church. He says he gave them, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To this part, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It's saying with a church... Because Christ gives to the church pastors and teachers and things like that to build up the church to ministry so they may, they may, be, they may be mature, mature men, not children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and every wind of doctrine, by, that, by human cunning and deceitful, crafty schemes. That's what the church is supposed to be striving for and their sanctification and growing so that they are secure, planted in the word of God. Not being tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine, not tossed about by the waves of the culture and the shifting tide of all that. No, they're meant to be, um, you know, firmly planted in the word of God. Jude, Jude, verse 3 says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The Christian faith is once for all delivered to the saints. It's not always changing. It's not changing with the culture. That's not the gospel. It's not a reflection of the gospel. Like the Pope says, it's not that at all. It is a once for all delivered up right here in the word of God. It's not changing. It's the word of God. He cannot change. He can't contradict himself. He's not a liar. So no, um, it's the, he says the axiom that the true tradition of the church is one of continuous discerned path of change. No, that's not it. It's of staying strict and rigid on the word of God. That's what it's about. Not about just shifting with the culture and, uh, you know, so we can attract more people to the church. Not at all. So keeping that in mind about that whole attractive, attracting people thing, that kind of informs us a little bit more of why uh, Francis is against uh, proselytizing, is that he wants the church to grow by attraction, not by proselytizing. So you don't want to go out there and tell Muslims and Jews and atheists that they're that they're guilty before God under his just condemnation on their way to hell. You don't want to tell them they have to repent of their sins and trust in Christ in order to be saved. All that sort of thing, you know, just offends people. They're not going to want to be with be in the church. They're going to be offended. They're going to feel marginalized or something like that, and they uh, they won't want to. Uh, they won't find the church very attractive. But if you just you know live out your faith um, consistently, whatever that means to them, then people will come and knock your and come knocking your door down to try to learn about the gospel and things like that. Um, simply, simply not true. As I said earlier, here's, here's a longer quote from Pope Francis when he spoke to those high schoolers. He says, I went to public school and we always had companions from other religions. We were educated to coexist. There's a Jew, Russian. Ah, come, come. I'm a friend of a Russian. 
They said Russian because the majority of the Jews came from Odessa, some, some from Poland, but the more majority from Odessa. Then there were some Arabs, Lebanese, Syrians, ah, Turkish, come, come. This was Muslim. This was Jewish. But we all played football together. We were all friends. Okay? Because this has taught me so much that we are all the same, all children of God. And this purifies your gaze. It makes you human. So it's fine to play football with a Muslim or a Jew. No problem there. But to say they're all children of God, as I noted earlier, is simply not true. Um, so the whole the whole idea of, you know, as, as the Pope had said in the past, he told an atheist, well, he told a boy that his atheist father who had, who had died went to heaven because he had his children baptized. It's a false gospel there that you can be saved without trusting in Christ is absurd. Um, he said, it didn't occur to me in the same, same speech. He said, it didn't occur to me. And it doesn't come to, to me like saying to a boy or girl, you're Jewish, you're Muslim, come be converted. You be consistent with your faith. And that consistency is what will make you mature. We are not in the times of the crusades. He says, it's, uh, it's bad. It's a bad thing, but it made me suffer so much. A step of the chanson de Roland, when the Christians, the Crusaders, had conquered the Muslims, and then a line of all the Muslims was queued, and the priest was in front of it and like a soldier. Doing that sort of thing has nothing to do with proselytism or bringing the gospel through your words, because he's he's equating these things, saying I would never tell them, "Oh, you must be converted." It's like going in front of an army and slaughtering Muslims. That's certainly not the same thing. Um, to say either baptism or the sword, um, that's not what we're doing here. And nobody's doing that. So there's really two things here. Either he's saying that I'm just against people killing each other um, to convert. I don't know of any group that's really doing that, that's calling themselves Christians. Um, But what he seems to be doing is that he's saying, talking to people, telling them, come, be converted. Um, He's saying, never occurred to me. It's like like being a crusader. Um, it's, it's not like that at all. So he says, the first thing in front of an unbeliever, the last thing I have to do is try to convince him. Never. This is the last thing I have to do is speak. Doesn't that sound like familiar to you? Doesn't that sound like the evangelical church in America today? Oh yes. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Yeah, that's a lie. That whole thing about, oh, I preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Well, preaching the gospel requires you use words because the gospel is a message. It's a message. It must be spoken. Pope says, the last thing I have to do is speak. No, the first thing you have to do is speak. He says, I have to live consistent with my faith, and this will be my testimony to awaken the curiosity of the others who say, but why do you do this? Yeah, when does that ever happen? People come knocking down your door saying, please tell me what makes you so different. It just doesn't happen very often. And also, nevertheless, it's not consistent with, with the biblical teaching to go out and preach the gospel to every creature, to go preach the gospel to all the world, to go out and bring it to them because they do not just show up. Honestly, this is really more um, conjectural, but it's, it's just a, an a exper- experiential guess. I would say that doing this missionary evangelism work that I do, I probably speak to more people, give the gospel to more people in a week, more unbelievers in a week, than the number of unbelievers that show up to a local church in five years. 
That probably that's probably true. The number of unbelievers who just walk into to a local church and say, "I just want to come and, and sit and listen um, and hear the gospel." They actually hear the gospel. I probably talk to more people in a week than people who just walk into a church in five years. Because if I talk to a few dozen people a week. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate or close to it, depending on the church and the location of the church. That's sad because local churches in America simply, in general, don't send out people to do evangelism. That's not true of every church. I know there are plenty of good ones. I know there are people who do what I'm doing, and I've been inspired by these other people to, to start doing what I'm doing. Uh, people like uh, like Ray Comfort's stuff, you can watch that on YouTube. That's very similar to what I'm doing, going out, bringing the gospel to people in my community. And he does it over there in California. That's excellent. But this whole thing about, wait, you know, people are, their curiosity will be awakened and they'll come and say, why do you do what you do? That's simply not what we're supposed to be doing, but, you know, with the world. Um, he says, and yes, I can speak then. If they come to you. After, after everything, you've done everything, and they come and are attracted to talk to you, you can speak then when they come to you, but you don't go out and speak to them. You have to wait for them to come to you. He says, if someone he says, but listen, never, ever bring the gospel by proselytizing. Okay. Right. That's so, so evil. So wicked. Now, of course, Roman Catholic church doesn't have the gospel, but if any real Christian were to believe this, that is such wickedness to not bring the gospel to those who are going to hell. Shame on them. He says this, Statement, if someone says that they are a disciple of Jesus and comes to you with proselytism, they are not a disciple of Jesus. It's talking about guys like me, um, guys like the Apostle Paul, guys like Peter, guys like Jesus, going around and preaching the gospel to people. Um, he says, you're not a real Christian if you do that. And he says, Pope Benedict has said it, it grows by attraction, by testimony. Football teams proselytize. This can be done. Political parties can be done, it can be done there. But with faith, there's no proselytism. And if someone says to me, but why? He says, read, read, read the gospel. This is my faith, but without pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so don't go up to people and say, hey, listen, <clears throat> you know, you're guilty before God. I care about you. I want you to repent and believe in Christ. Trust in him. <clears throat> and you'll be saved. And so listen, you, you really must do this because you're guilty and you don't know when you're going to die. There's urgency here. Uh, you can't do that according to the Pope. You have to wait for them to come to you, then them to be attracted to you. And then if that happens, then you can start talking to them a little bit about, about the Bible, about the, the Word of God. See, the thing is here, like I said in the beginning and throughout, Roman Catholic religion is not a true, not true Christianity. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't really make a difference to me what, what they believe. Um, but the problem is this attitude here from the Pope is very, very common in evangelical churches. No, 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 don't go out. I mean, I just, I just did a video, you know, on that on Re- a Relevant Magazine article, that airport evangelism one. You can check it out on the, on the channel. Same type of stuff here. No, you don't want to go out and talk to people. They'll, they'll be hostile to you. They won't like you. You just want to let them know that you're kind of available to talk and maybe sometime they'll talk to you. And, you know, but he even said stuff like, there's a lot of people here are going to hell, but I probably won't talk to them. Stuff like that. And, and this is the same type of stuff here from, from the Pope. Um, that's not real discipleship. That's not real great commission fulfillment here when you don't proselytize. Um, going out and bringing the gospel directly to people, people think it's uh, heinous, but of course it's loving. I mean, people are going to hell. 
they're on their way. They're not, they're guilty before God. They're not saved. They need the gospel badly. And then Christians just uh, don't do anything. They wait, say, oh, no, no, they'll, they'll see. My life is different. I'm, I'm very consistent with my faith. They're going to see and they're going to come to me and say, please tell me how can I be saved because I recognize something is so different about you. They don't just learn these things by you being nice. Okay, that is such a lie and it's really a cowardice thing. When people say, oh, no, 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 I don't bring the gospel with words. I don't speak like Pope says. Last thing I do is speak. That's cowardice. Oh, I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to wait for them to come to me. And then, you know, eventually maybe I can talk to them about some things. I'll maybe throw some Jesus stuff in there in our conversations. This type of stuff is so wicked and it's so like satanic. It's like, yeah, let people die in their sins. Let people die in their sins. You know, appease your conscience by saying, oh, yeah, no. It's really wrong. It's really wrong for me to actually go talk to them. Uh, but the best thing to do is just for wait for them to come to me. Again, I challenge. Show me in scripture where somebody somebody did that for unbelievers in the world or where they were, were taught to do so. The only example of something similar to that is what Peter says to wives who have unbelieving husbands. And he says, by your conduct, they will see and they'll be one without a word. Now, what that means in the greater context of scripture, though, is that the husband has heard the gospel. Okay, he has the knowledge of it, he just doesn't believe it. And through the wife's, you know, change in character, he'll see that it's real. There's a real, there's a real um, you know, change, just the, the power of of Christ um, has made her born again. It says this, this is first Peter 3. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So that's the one scenario that we have in Scripture where um, there's a implication that you can people can be saved um, apart from just straight up preaching. The problem here, though, with the rest of Scripture, it's not saying that the wife never mentions God, never talks about the gospel. What it means is that if, if, there two, if two unbelievers get married and the wife becomes a Christian, the husband remains not a Christian, she should tell him the gospel very plainly and try to invite him to church and stuff like that. But it seems pretty clear that she should not every morning be, be battering in the gospel every single day for all the years of their marriage. She should talk to him about it. He, he should know it. He might not believe, he doesn't believe it, but then by her love and respect and pure conduct, he'll see wow, you've really been changed. Something has really happened here. There's a reality of the, of the new birth. So this is not saying that people will just discern the gospel by you being nice. It's saying that somebody who actually knows the gospel will see, wow, there actually is something t- to this. Jesus said, you know, you'll know the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another, right? So it's the similar type of thing. So with the unbeliever on the street, though, we don't know if they know the gospel. This relationship here is a husband-wife thing. It's very particular. People who are very close together, okay, who have intimacy and intimate conversations. The guy on the street, though, I don't know if he knows the gospel. He doesn't even know me. So I should bring in the gospel to him, which is exactly what Paul and Peter and these people did. They went out to the marketplace and just preached the gospel to whoever happened to be there. So that's really, really important. So in general, though, with, with evangelism to the world, it's not it's not merely by conduct. That's important, too, but it's primarily through preaching, and then that is supported by our consistent conduct. When people say that, that dumb phrase, preach the gospel and use words if necessary, 
Um, that's not true. You have to preach the gospel with words. And then once they understand it and stuff, you want to be consistent and loving towards them and continue to you know, answer their questions and, and show them that you care about them. That is very important as well. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that at all. It's very biblical. But the attitude nowadays is forget the preaching altogether. Just be nice to people and try to be consistent and godly, and people will really understand the gospel somehow through you talking to them. Like that guy in the Relevant magazine that I did, that article that I responded to, he said, you know, I'll give them a nod, a little eye contact, and maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough, and God will use that. That's not enough. That's not the gospel. An eye contact and a nod, you know, that's not uh, not even close. Okay? So with that, again, Pope Francis speaking against proselytizing, speaking against speaking to people. Um, there's a big problem there. Again, also his warning against rigidity in the church and um, not uh, going with the flow of the culture is also very misinformed, very wrong. Um, the church is meant to have the stand firmly in the gospel, firmly on the word of God, and stand against anything that's evil, including the flow of the culture. That's very, very important. So, we should learn some lessons. Um, evangelical churches should learn some lessons on what not to believe from Pope Francis. Uh, the Pope has uh, dropped the ball again and again and again, of course. No surprise there. But dropped the ball really hard here. And um, one good thing is that maybe Roman Catholics will stop spreading their false religion. I'd hope so. But hopefully uh, real Christians will look at this and say, wow, that's horrendous and evil and be motivated to go out and bring the gospel and use words because it is necessary. So with that, I guess I'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I ask that, you know, if you're a Christian, that you'll pray for my ministry, pray for the lost that I bring the gospel to, pray for the end of abortion through the gospel. Um, also, if you know of anybody or you yourself are able to provide any financial support to the ministry, we'd greatly appreciate it to help me continue to do this full time. And then eventually, you know, once we uh, we have enough um, to continue the ministry, we'll put the money towards um, any babies that are saved from abortion. We'll put the money towards helping the mothers, helping the babies, helping people adopt, whatever it may be. So uh, I'm hoping that we can get a lot of support so we can start putting money uh, toward all that as well and, and start seeing uh, more lives saved from murder. So um, we just thank you. I thank you so much for, for watching and for, for your prayers and your support. And um, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up. So thanks for watching and God bless. Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to receive notifications every time we upload a video. Also, please check out our website, fullarmorministries.org, and become a financial partner with us, because without your financial partnerships, these ministries can't happen. Thanks so much.